0: know tonight I'm not on the defense. I'm not sitting here trying to hold the fort and just hope I barely make it tonight and pray that I can survive. I want the enemy to know that I've got life and I've got it more abundantly. I'm not here to survive. I'm here to take dominion. I'm here to get every promise. Here to have everything. I dare somebody to throw your hands in the air and shout like you got the victory tonight. Shout with a voice of triumph in this place.
1: Yeah.
0: is a good offense. I don't wake up in the morning just praying I don't get attacked. Please don't let the enemy attack me today. I don't wake up every day and go to work saying I hope the enemy leaves me alone today. Baby, when my feet hit the floor in the morning, I want hell to know the fact that I woke up is bad news for you. Be a hellraiser. I said God placed me here to take authority. To take it. God anointed me to be a change agent. God anointed me. I just need about 200 more to tell you. I'm not sad. I'm not
1: depressed. I'm not. I'm persecuted.
0: down but I'm not destroyed I wish I had a witness in this you've heard me tell the story before come here brother Cornelius about the coach and the recruiter And the recruiter came to the coach and he was real animated. And he said, this year we want the best players, don't we? Don't we, don't we? Yeah, yeah, don't we, don't we? We want the best players. And so when you go out and you look at all the players, you're going to find three kind of people. You're going to find players that get knocked down. And when they get knocked down, they're not getting back up. We don't want them kind of people on our team, do we? No, 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 no. we don't want them on our team. we? We don't want them on our team. He said, then there's another kind of people, Sister Teresa. He said, when they get knocked down, they get right back up again. The coach got excited. He said, yeah, those are the ones we want on the team, don't we? The recruiter said, no, dummy. We want the one that's knocking them down. Come on, somebody. I'm not going to live the rest of my life hoping I don't get knocked over. Baby, I came to make a difference. I came for bigger. Somebody that feels that way tonight ought to take about 30 seconds. tonight I felt a little extra anointing right here y'all ever met this young man right here this brother Derek he looks good doesn't he he put the devil on the run in this place tonight how many of you are thankful for revival in this place give God another shout of praise in this High five about eight people on the way to your seat. Tell them I got victory. Tell them I. I. I, mm, <laughs> I know I've been changed. I, no, I've been changed. You've I. No, I've been changed. Angels in heaven sign my name. Anybody feel that way tonight? Come on. I, I, no, I've been changed. I. Change children. I know I've been changed. The angels in heaven don't shine my name. Come on, give them another hand clap of praise in this. Man, it feels good on a Tuesday night at the rock. You can be seated for just a moment. I want to take a quick opportunity to say what an absolute honor it is to have all of our guests here in the house of the Lord tonight. Rock Church, would you help me one more time? Put your hands together and make some noise for all of our guests that are here in the house of the Lord. We are so grateful that you're here on the Tuesday night to have church with us. Amen. It's so good to see Brother Herrera here all the way from Spokane, Washington. Amen. Cornerstone, would you help me give him a great big welcome to the house of the Lord tonight? How many of you thankful for what the Lord did in this house on Sunday? Amen. Sunday morning when the Holy Ghost finished, five more people were baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. Miracles, signs, and wonders in the house of the Lord. How many of you still holding on to the word from Sunday night and you're going to the other side in this place? Amen. Amen. I do have one brief announcement tonight concerning uh, the Rock Church's trip to Israel that was planned for later this year. We have decided that that trip will be postponed. And due to the ongoing uh, conflict that is happening in the Middle East, even though there is still a relatively good chance that uh, that situation may be resolved by the end of the year, we realize that it is difficult for many people to continue uh, to put a chunk of their resources away every month, uh, kind of with the, in the back of their mind knowing there's, there's a chance uh, that that trip may, uh, may not be able to be facilitated. So we are going to postpone it. We are looking at dates uh, within the next year to year and a half. And uh, we will get that back on the calendar. And the great news is, of course, that if you have already paid your deposit, have already put money toward the trip, it is all completely refundable to you. You don't lose out on any of your resources. And you can do one of two things. You can have that completely refunded to you, or you can choose to have uh, the tour company uh, hang on to your money until we reschedule the next trip and just apply it at that point to your trip. That is a a decision totally up to you. So I wanted to make that announcement tonight for everybody who is uh, already signed up, has your deposit paid, etc., there will be an email in the next day or so that will come from Bishop uh, and Sister King uh, with instructions and options on what you can do with your deposit and how to take care of that. So we know God's timing is perfect. Amen? Amen, somebody? And so we're looking forward. We're going to get that back on the calendar. In the meantime, tell your neighbor, in the meantime, we're having revival right here in the United States of America and we're having revival across the nation and across the globe uh, our churches in port au prince uh, Haiti and across the country of Haiti are exploding in revival. How many of you realize that a few weeks ago, our uh, our main campus in Port-au-Prince moved into a brand new facility uh, that, that seats uh, quite a few more than what we had before. They're already filling it up. God is doing amazing things. And I don't know about you, but I'm excited to be in the middle of it. Amen. Stand with me all over this house as we prepare ourselves for the word of the Lord tonight. We have been so, so blessed by the ministry of Pastor and First Lady Mendoza this weekend. And I want to say again to this church uh, how thankful I am to you for all of the kind uh, birthday wishes and, and the gestures and birthday cards and text messages and uh, the incredible gift that I received Sunday morning. And then what a incredible first class birthday party Sunday night. Amen. Just my mind is blown and I know that doesn't take a lot with my mind, not as much as yours Uh, but I'm thankful it was amazing and uh, I'm so grateful uh, for friends like Pastor and First Lady Mendoza uh, who would take time out of their schedule to come and celebrate and be a blessing to this house and we're, we're, we are anticipating great things in this place tonight. Amen. Did you come with expectancy in your spirit tonight? Come on. Did you come like the woman with the issue of blood who, who talked to herself before she ever got there uh, and said, if I can just touch the hem of it. Is there anybody that just said, if I can just get to the house of God tonight? If I can just get in the sanctuary and lift my hands, I know something's going to happen. Would you lift your hands one more time all over this house and give God a great praise as Pastor Mendoza comes to deliver the word of the Lord to us tonight.
2: Praise the Lord everybody. Come on and give God a big hand praise. Clap your hands according to how good he's been to you. hasn't done much give him a small hand praise but if the Lord has done something mighty the Bible said clap your hands all you people and shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph for the name of the Lord is worthy to be praised somebody shout he's worthy hallelujah what a joy it is amen one more time to be before you amen how many love bishop and first lady amen why don't you give them one more time a big hand praise amen we are continuing his birthday party amen and we're celebrating that's the way to do it amen and sometimes you just gotta make it your day my daughter at home her name's her name's jacqueline and we call her jackie but she made up her own holiday she has national jacks day and people in the church go and give her money, they buy her gifts, and and she made it her own holiday, you know, and sometimes you just gotta make it up in your mind you gotta make it what kind of day you wanna have you can't wait for your neighbor and can't wait for things to go right, you gotta make it you gotta make it your day, is there anybody here that knows how to make it your day? we are grateful, amen, to be before you amen, we had such a wonderful time, amen, I believe that we are we are even more acquainted, amen, even family, even more so than ever before, amen. We are very familiar with y'all, and, and uh, we are dearly uh, loving you, me and my wife, amen, and so grateful to be here with you all once again, amen. And I want to preach, amen, What the Lord has laid in my spirit, and I wrestled with the Lord, amen, and every time you wrestle with the Lord, he always wins. I say, he always wins. And it may be somewhat of more of an intimate message, something that God has laid in my spirit, amen, and it, it is something that I want to preach unto you. And it is a message, amen, that I know that, that it is not something this church lacks, but if anything, it is something that the Lord is going to affirm even more so in this house. And I believe that God is going to do it. And I want to be ready for what God's going to do. How many want to be ready for what God's going to do? I remember, in case you don't know my testimony, about 13 or so years old, I was raised up in church, apostolic church. My dad's a pastor. About that age or so, I went a hard left and left the things of God, was in the streets. For five, six years, went wild and just like the prodigal son. When the Lord restored me and brought me back, I remember I came to the altar and I remember broken. My mind was broken. My heart was broken in a thousand pieces. And it took that brokenness for God to push me in the corner and say, when will you give me your life? And I remember when I was there, I remember all I could think of was, I don't know if I can serve you. I don't know if I can do it. It seems like it's too hard. But if there's one thing that I realized and I felt the Lord impressed and said, if you give me your everything, it will be easy for you. It will be easy for you. And when I heard the Lord say that, I surrendered everything. And from that day to now, I have never looked back. And because of that, I found out it is easy to love the Lord. I wonder, is there a witness in the house that can raise up their hand? And say, I found out that it's easy to love him because he's been so wonderful to me. Is there somebody here that can agree with me? Come on, is every witness. It's so easy to love you. It's so easy to love you. It's so easy to love you. Cause you're wonderful. It's so easy to love you. Come on, here, tell it's so easy to love you. It's so easy to love you. Cause you're wonderful. Oh, it's so
0: love you, so easy to love you, it's so easy
2: to love you, cause you're wonderful, then it says like this, wonderful, wonderful. big hand praise I said come on and give God a big hand praise worthy is the name of the Lord somebody shout hallelujah I want to draw your attention to 2nd Samuel chapter 23 and verse 8 for the sake of time I just want to preach on that first part of that scripture Preach with a heavy heart what the Lord has laid in my spirit. Second Samuel chapter 23 and verse 8 it said, And these be the name of the mighty men whom David had. These be the names of the mighty men whom David had. Now I want to preach with the help of the Lord on this subject for a moment David's mighty men. David's mighty men. Look at your neighbor and say, David's mighty men. I'm one of David's mighty men. Lord, bless your word. Come on one more time. Clap your hands unto God. i show you know he's worthy of the highest praise. Hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated. David's mighty men. It is here that the scripture that we talk and how we relate with David the, the man that David was it is notable that David was a great man but what is not often talked about is that the ones that stood next to David that there were those that stood next to David and the Bible said that these were David's mighty men if you talk to most people David is the highlight of many people in the character or or, or the person they would pick. It's always David because David was a mighty man. But I want to preach for a moment upon the subject of this that David was mighty because he had mighty men next to him. He was mighty because there was powerful men next to him. And sometimes we don't recognize it or see it, but behind every great man is always great people. Behind every great man is always his wife. Behind every great man is always his children. It's not just one person, but there is a mighty army that stands next to the man of God and says, I am one of David's mighty men. Somebody say hallelujah. And the scripture tells us that David had 37 men that were known as David's mighty men. One was Adino, the Bible said, who killed 800 men. One was Alazar, which the Bible said that when he had got done in battle, the sword was stuck to his hand and they had to pry it open. There was Abishai who killed 300 men with the spear. There was Benaiah who killed two top captains of Moab, killed a lion, killed another high-ranking Egyptian, with his own spear. These men were surrounding David because David was their leader. And these men stood next to David, and the Bible calls them David's mighty men. David was one of the greatest leaders that we can look and see, and the expectation of leaders today has changed. It's a rapid rate. It has become a tougher role than it was arguably in the past. A leader today needs to be a master of many more skills beyond just running a team or running people. He has to have sustainability, diversity, social agendas, and local influences. Most of all, that he has a brighter light and a broader scope and has been put upon leadership Leadership comes with a pressure like has never been recorded before. Pressure has increased by 30% with leaders because of the pressure that comes with the job. Criticism comes with the territory. To everyone, as the as pastor, he is either a hero or he is a villain. And to every step the leader makes, it is judged or it is criticized. It is not easy being a leader today and leading the people of God because you'll always have some that will disapprove and will look at things and you have the murmurs and the complainers. Maybe not here in Florida, but back home in California, they're there. And there's them that want to complain and and them that think it's too much. And 63% of pastors Report stress and loneliness and isolation that comes. Everyone tells you their problems as a pastor, but who does a pastor tell his problems to? there's nobody there so he is isolated and he is there holding everything no doubt through that brokenness he goes before God but to have and to experience and as I got this message prepared I begin to think and prepare and say It feels as though I am preaching to myself. And so I come with this mindset. If this word is not for anybody, maybe God sent me all the way to Florida to preach to myself. But I believe as though when you're a broken person, God is the mender of a broken heart. God is the mender of a troubled mind. At times when you seem as though you can't make it, The Lord is my strength and my comfort. The Lord is my strong tower. In him will I trust. Somebody shout hallelujah. And the leader being a pastor, one article said it is like a death by a thousand paper cuts because the truth is that everything falls upon the pastor. So though he is not the maintenance man of the church, But if things are not done, it is the pastor who is looked at. If there is a plumbing issue, though, the pastor is not the plumber. When trouble goes on after a while, those problems, they look at the pastor of what is he doing. Back home, I don't know what happened, but it seemed like the devils got into our restrooms. And every Sunday, we would have service and we have a recovery men's home. And the director would come out and he would say, Pastor, the the toilets are overflowing, and we don't know what's happening. And little did we know that we assume it was children that were left unattended, that were just putting wads of brown paper towels and flushing them down. And after a while, it began to keep happening. So I began to feel like as though, man, this issue is becoming big. It's no longer the maintenance man's issue no more they're not looking at him you know who they're looking at they're looking at me what's pastor gonna do and i had to spend thousands of dollars to have men come in and redirect the pipes because you feel that as though that is not your job in one sense but in the other sense it is the pastor also becomes like the maintenance man. He becomes the plumber. He becomes the electrician. He becomes the painter. He makes the visits for phone calls. He goes to the houses and visits. He counsels families. He counsels marriages. He counsels the finances of people. And when everything is said and done, it falls upon the weight of the man of God. If the lights were to shut off right now, now and because the bill was not paid they would not look at the administrator they would look at the pastor and say pastor why don't we have no electricity running in the church do you get the idea of the pressure and the weight that begins to fall upon the man of God from the little things of the landscaping to the bigger issues of counseling people every day there is a weight that you wake up uh, and a pressure that is upon you that you got to carry all by yourself Uh, somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah next it is chapter 17 we see that this happens with Moses Moses is leading the people and the people came to a place where there's no water and the people blamed Moses and said why is there no water and Moses looked at them and said why do you blame me they begin to complain and said, Moses, it's your fault. You took us out of Egypt to kill us. And Moses went to God and said, Lord, these people are getting ready to stone me. They're getting ready to throw rocks at me. I'm trying to lead them to victory. But all of a sudden, it's as though I'm the issue and I'm the problem. Do you see how a leader has to deal with these things? I was not always a pastor. I had an occupation, I was uh, working in the work field. And I remember when I went into pastorship, I would always get asked the question, do you miss your job? And I would say, no, I I really didn't miss my job. But what I did miss, I missed the time clock. Because the time clock was when after I was done with my 10 hour day, I would swipe that card kiss everybody goodbye and said, I'll see you tomorrow morning. Don't call me, leave me alone. I'll see you when I see you. That's the way it was. And if they asked me, do you miss it? I said, the only thing I miss is that a pastor don't have a time clock it don't end in the morning it's there at night it's there you can come all the way to florida but my mind is back at home wondering what's going on it doesn't leave you it's the pressure it's what's going on lord bless your people lord keep your people lord there's struggles and the devil's after people but the man of god stands there and tells all hell before you get them you've got to come through me you can't just put your hands on them that's why you want to thank god for your man of god he's praying against the powers of hell he's pleading the blood of jesus so that you can come in raise your hands and bless the name of the lord it's not an easy price but the man of god he says i'll pay the price so the people can be free you ought to clap your hands and thank god for what you have in this house come on somebody clap your hands and shout hallelujah and if that is not it it's not including his own family that he has to make sure that they are well and that's a whole new area because he's a family man just like i am and if the family is not well, I'm not well. And the pastor suffers because somehow he's expected to handle everything. Everything falls upon his shoulder. And even it goes to the first lady, who is the weaker of vessels and these uh, special ladies uh, are not built like us men. I tell my wife uh, when, when people tell her problems uh, I tell them I tell love you got to leave it at the altar because she comes home and tells me and sometimes I want to stop people and say leave my wife alone because she takes your problems home and she's crying herself to sleep and people don't see it. They don't see the burden but you know what drives first ladies that way it's because they have a love for the people and they say Lord bless your people Lord keep them and protect them Lord watch over them Lord bless every sister Lord bless every family it is the love of the first ladies that say God bless your people sometimes I tease my wife and say You know, you you carry your problems. You like to carry everybody else's problems. And she's walking around with luggage bags. And I have to tell you, you got to leave it. You got to leave it at the altar. You got to leave it in the hands of God. But I'm trying to paint you the, the picture of what happens and what the leader has to deal with. I remember a particular situation at home. There was a sister that had just gotten married. And the individual that he married, that she married it wasn't very long for all of a sudden he beat her up when he beat her up they obviously got separated and years went by and she came and talked to me and and said you know what I still love him and I want to go back and I was kind of you know people are going to do what people are going to do and it's like you know I'm just going to direct you the best way I can and it took time, and I said, this is going to take a while because, you know, you, you got you to gotta realize what's happened. And there's, there's children involved. There's families involved. And there's a lot of things that's not as easy as just getting back together. But it was something in her that she wanted to do. So I would spend months with her. And I would spend months talking and counseling. And it got to the point that at times I can sense as though she was getting impatient. And I remember a time when she had called. And I was already dealing with multiple situations. I had a construction job, a project going on at the church. There was three other families that we were dealing with counseling, and then besides that, my dad had gotten sick and and they had to amputate his leg. And when all these things were going on, and she would call and wanted to hurry up the process, and I told her you have to wait. And all of a sudden, it was as though she got upset. And after all, everything was done, she ended up leaving, getting back with the man. And when it was all said and done, she left and went somewhere else to another church and I thought to myself all those hours I I counseled all those hours I prayed for what because sometimes in this position you give and give and give and sometimes you get nothing in return but you know why what allows us to stay here is because it's not us it is God that is working in us and he said I'll give you shepherds after my heart that when they love you they're going to love you despite if you love them back they're going to love you despite if you honor them they're going to love you despite if you pray for them because they have a shepherd's heart that says Lord bless your people Oh, you ought to clap your hands right now. Somebody shout hallelujah. And it's oftentimes giving, and you get nothing in return. The truth about leadership is that all you are is a big target. Not only a people, but the Bible even says this. Smite the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. You not know that if there's anybody, hell is after. He is after your man of God. He is after your leader. He is after to destroy. Look at the story of Job. The enemy was after Job. But he came first through his possessions. Then he came through his family. And then he came through sickness through his body. The devil was trying to get him, but he went through the avenues to try to destroy Job. But Job was faithful to God and said, I will refuse to curse God and die but I will stand and acknowledge God as though when it's all said and done, the Lord shall fight for me. The Lord shall raise me up. The Lord shall give me strength again. This was Job's prayer. Somebody shout hallelujah. And above all, the Bible said that he remained faithful. And in the middle of all these things, as a leader, you're the light of the church. And if the light is not shining its brightest, the whole church suffers. And this is what you must see. That is why it is important to pray for your leader and pray for their family and pray for the first lady and pray for the children because you don't know what hell is trying to stir. Up, but God is saying, Is there mighty men of David that can say, I fight for my man of God, I fight for my woman of God, just like they fight for you? you gotta fight for them you gotta come before service and say Lord bless my pastor bless my first lady bless my first family keep them in the sanctuary keep them anointed keep them blessed keep them prospered I'm talking to the mighty men of David you got to rise oh I feel the Holy Ghost in the house I said, I'll the Holy Ghost in the house. He is the light of the church. And it is to your benefit that he remains lit and that he shines because you will benefit from the light that they possess. Oh, hallelujah. And it is with appearance. And sometimes we're moved by appearances. If you were to see a person... And, and, and act upon what you see. For example, if you see an elderly person and they're walking and they're struggling to open up a door, it is your instinct because of what you see to go and help them. But what happens when you see someone that is physically strong physically they look good and they look healthy and everything but sometimes we don't perceive that even though elderly they're strong sometimes there's a weak person on the inside that is just saying is there anybody that can open the door for me is there anybody that can pray for me is there anybody that can lay hands on me Is there anybody that can call and ask me? Hallelujah. And we don't see the inward part, but there are times that there is weakness and brokenness. I don't mind people at my church praying for me. If they peel lead and they, they lay hands on me, I don't mind it. I believe I need all the prayer I can get. I don't have a lot of pride. I don't care if it's a child. If they got faith like the Bible says, go ahead and put your hand on my shoulder and pray the prayer of faith. Because inside of me, I say, Lord, raise the mighty men of David that can stand and fight with me. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. And in 1 Kings chapter 22, the Bible says this story. And it says that there was a certain man. And this certain man drew a bow. And he shot it to the king of Israel. And the arrow landed between the king's armor. And it pierced the king. And the king said, I am wounded. But the Bible said, the battle increased. So the king propped himself up on his chariot. And because he knew the people had to see him strong. And so he propped himself up on the chariot. So that people could look and say the king's okay. But they didn't know that the arrow the Bible said was in his side. And as the king tried to portray that everything was okay. The Bible said he bled all the way down his body. Down his chariot. And the Bible said the king died that day. What am I preaching? That sometimes your man of God, he is wounded, but he has to stand up anyways and say and preach Acts 2.38. He's wounded, but he has to stand up and preach that God is a healer. He has to preach that God is a way maker. You don't see, sometimes we're bleeding, but we got to stand in the past power of God and portray and say God is still able God can make a way God can heal your body when I'm sick I gotta preach a healer when I'm disturbed I gotta preach a God that is more than able and it's not always easy because you gotta come up here And you gotta preach. And you gotta, and you've got to declare sometimes the things that are not even working in you. But you have to do it. because you realize it's for the sake of the gospel and that there's souls that need to be saved there are wounds that pastor has and, and sometimes we have to do that that's why I'm a firm believer that you cannot be people that make it hard for your pastor to preach you can sit there like a bump on a log like you're too tired to open up your mouth and say hi Hallelujah! You can't make it hard for your preacher. He's given all that he has. And some people just sit there and don't do nothing. But if there's a mighty man of David, they're going to say, Preacher, Pastor, I'm backing you up. Preach what you want. Preach how you feel. Because I'm going to stand up. I'm going to back you up. I'm going to shout hallelujah. And if nobody dances, I'm gonna dance. And if nobody shouts, I'm gonna shout. And if nobody gives, I'm gonna give. Because I'm a mighty man of David. Is there a mighty man of David in the house? If that's you, you want to clap your hands and give God a shout of triumph. Come on, give God a shout of triumph. You are not to make it hard for your pastor. You ought to back him up. you ought to shout with him. you ought to dance with him. you ought to run with him. you gotta back up your man of God. Oh, somebody say hallelujah, Hallelujah and times, especially in the day we live in we live in a Oversensitive world, and I preach and I believe that the spirit that is out in the world, the spirit of sensitivity, you can't say nothing to anybody nowadays, maybe just in California, I don't know, but you can't say nothing to nobody because everybody's offended. Tell them something, all of a sudden, well, I'm leaving, well, I'm, go- I'm going. You know what i say bye don't let the door hit you on the way out somebody because you know why we can't be sensitive god did not call us to be sensitive people he called us he called us to be violent people John the Baptist said what went you out to see a weed shaken by the wind he said no you're going to see people that are violent in the Holy Ghost you need to have an attitude that says pastor preach how you want if I'm in sin preach me out of sin if I'm going to hell preach me out of hell if I'm not right, preach me until I get right. If I'm in the wrong, preach till I make it right. Don't hold back. If you got to slap me, slap me. But don't let me go to hell. Tell me just like it is. But well, people want sugarcoating coating. They want to change your pamper. We need people that can say, tell me exactly like it is. I can't afford to go to hell. I can't afford to lose my family. I can't afford to lose my children. So pastor, preach to me with everything you have. Don't hold nothing back. Because at the end of the day, I need my children saved. I need my house saved. I need my family saved. Who am I preaching to? It's going to come through your man of God. Somebody clap your hands and shout hallelujah. And it's his fire that when this fire shines the brightest, it works for your benefit. Because that fire is going is to help you. It's going to light your way. And this is what you must see. That's why 2 Samuel chapter 21 tells us this. It said that there was a particular time that David was in battle, and the Bible said that he was tired, and the Bible said that there was a giant that was getting ready to kill David, but the Bible said that one of David's mighty men jumped in and killed that giant, and they got David and told David, you're the light of Israel. You can't go down and fight these giants no more. Let us do it. Let us fight for Let us go take territory. You stay in God's presence. You get a word from God. But We're going to clean the church. We're going to do the landscaping. We're going to reach the souls. Oh, come on, somebody. We're gonna go out. We're gonna be a witness. But Pastor, you don't gotta go out there. Let the mighty men of David arise. Let the mighty men of David arise and go to the battlefield. And they said, They said, You're the light, David. You can't go out there. And if that light needs to be remained lit, and this is what God is saying. David's mighty men, they had to stand there with David and they had to say, David, we're protecting you. We're protecting you because you're the light of Israel. Your pastor is the light of this church. You need him to shine. You need to relieve the stress. You need to do whatever you can so that he can come in and preach with liberty and power. You don't make it hard for him, but you got to stand and back him up and support him in every way you can. Clap your hands if you believe me and shout hallelujah. Come on, shout hallelujah. Is there a mighty man of David in the house? I said, is there a mighty man of David in the house? Men of God don't got to worry about the little things. We'll take care of them. You don't got to worry about it. We'll take care of it. This is what David's mighty men did. The Bible said there was other times that David was in the heat of the battle. And the Bible said in 2 Samuel that David was resting and he began to just speak out loud and said, oh how I desire the waters of Bethlehem and the Bible said that three of David's mighty men heard him and they risked their lives and went through the enemy's camp and they got the waters of Bethlehem and they brought them back to David and said David here you go do you see how much they love David they loved him so much they would risk everything just for their man of God and I wonder that I believe that spirit is here right now that there are people that can say I'll risk everything I have if I gotta give more I'm gonna give more whatever I've got to do whatever I've got to give up whatever I've got to risk I'm gonna do it so the man of God can have his thirst quenched Somebody shout hallelujah. And they risked their lives so that the man of God would be satisfied and that he would be strengthened. There is nothing more powerful than to have men and people that can say pastor I'm here to help your vision come to pass there's nothing greater than that when people can stand next to their man of God and say what is your vision because whatever your vision is I'm gonna help do it because I'm one of the mighty men of the rock church in Florida I am one of the mighty men who am I preaching to right now there is nothing like it when you have people that will support the vision in our local church the lord has blessed us and there are people that are opening up businesses and i had two young men that came in my office and they sat there across from my desk and the lord has blessed them they had made i believe last year two million dollars and they just started and they came in and they said, Pastor, we're here to help support your vision. They said, well, we have need of, let us know. And we're going to make it work. And they, 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 they didn't stop there. They wrote text and turned it into the church. Because they believe. They believe in the vision of the pastor. That the pastor is out to win the city. He's out to te- He's out to tear the kingdom of hell apart. But he needs mighty men that can say, I'm with you. Let's go do it. Let's go kick the devil in his mouth. Let's go win the city. This is what the man of God needs. Somebody shout hallelujah. They didn't know that it was a thirst to my soul. It was as though they went and got water and gave it to me because many times in prayer you don't know how it's going to work. You don't know how God's going to supply the need but God will raise up men and women to say I'll send them. Just stand strong. Don't move. I'll send the people you need. I'll deal with the hearts of people and it was from the little things a young man at our church who I don't think I've ever asked him to come out and escort me into this church or carry my briefcase and, and you know walk me to my office this was something that he just decided to do he just wanted to do it this young man is a servant and that's what he wanted to do but he came up to me not too long ago and as a pastor I don't know if you know I don't know if I'm bugging you. I don't know if I should be here to wait on you. You know, I don't want to be a burden or, you know. And I thought to myself, man, if he only knew if I had 10 more like him. You hear what I'm preaching to you. If I only knew I had five more like these people, like these sisters, like these brothers that say, Pastor, I'm here for you. I'm here because I want to help fulfill the vision. And this was what was in his heart. And I couldn't help but to think that maybe, just maybe, somebody got into his ear and said, oh, you're just being a kiss-up. You're just being, you know, you're just trying to be nice to the pastor, so you can get favoritism. You know how people think. Maybe not here in Florida, but in California, that's how they think. Uh Uh-huh. Well, you just want to have favoritism you just want bishop to like you you just want to have things how you want that's why you're doing it you better recognize that that that's a lie from the pit of hell that that's the devil trying to stop your blessing you gotta make up your mind if your neighbor doesn't want to bless the man of god kick him out of the way but make up your mind i'm gonna stand next to my pastor i'm gonna stand next to my man of god and We're going to fight the devil together. We're going to take Fort Myers together. We're going to win the city together. You're going to do it. You're going to do it. You're going to do it. Is there a witness in God's house that can open up your mouth and give God a shout of triumph? hallelujah so that the water can be filled and so that he can be quenched so that the fire that is in him will not go out because it is to your benefit if he remains lit if he remains on fire you you result from that blessing that's what I want you to try to see, that it benefits you to pray for your pastor. It benefits you to give to your pastor. It benefits your family to back up the pastor. I know sometimes people come in and all they want to hear is deep things. Oh, pastor, preach to me something I never heard before. Tell me something that just illuminates and gives me great revelation. Sometimes I just feel like saying, you know what? Why don't you just do the basics? Like come to church on Tuesday when you're supposed to your tithes and offerings like you're supposed to quit trying to get deep stuff and just do the basic just know how to raise your hand when it's time to raise your hand know how to shout when it's time to shout just know the basics of what to do this is what we need right now somebody clap your hands and shout hallelujah Back home when my dad started the church, he was there. And as he started the church, this was 47 years ago, he came to a point in his ministry, there was only my mom and dad, my older brother Israel, and my uncle Steve and my aunt Priscilla, who was their assistants. He was an assistant pastor. And my dad said one time it was everybody gone, they were in a house. And my dad said, you know what, maybe this is it. Let's just let's just quit because it don't seem like it's working. But my Uncle Steve, which is one of the most mighty men I've known, he's a man that that stuck with my dad for 47 years. He's still there right now. He's the only one I know that ever stuck with a pastor for that long. And he said, No, Pastor, let's let's stick it through. Let's don't quit. We're gonna stay. Others might have left, but he said, we'll stay. We'll keep on going, but don't stop. Keep on going. He was a mighty man of David that gave my dad water to drink so that he can fight again. And that's what I'm trying to preach to you. That you got to stand next to him and say, Pastor, Bishop, we're going to do it. Don't get tired. Keep on pressing through. Keep on preaching your message. We got souls to save. We got devils to destroy. But you got to stand next to your man of God. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Something's soft, my brother. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I said, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. The Bible said that in Exodus chapter 17, he said that Moses was in battle. And he said that Moses, you know the story that Aaron and her were with Moses. And as they were on the mountaintop, they recognized something. They realized that every time Moses' hands were up, everybody began to win. Everybody began to win the victory. But when his hands would get weary and go down, it seemed as though they began begin to lose the fight. And Moses and Ur said, we've gotta do something. These are like the mighty men. And he said, let's get a stone. And they rolled a stone and they sat Moses on there. And Aaron got on one side and Ur on the other. And the Bible said they raised up their hands. And when they raised up their hands, All of a sudden, victory came back to all of the people. Do you see the picture of the support? That when you support the man of God, it's going to bring blessings to your life. It's going to bring blessings to your family. It's going to bring blessings to your children. And I don't know about you, but I want that blessing in my life. I said I need that blessing in my life. I want victory in my house. And that is why you stand. The Bible says this in Galatians chapter 6, verse 6. It says, let him who has been taught the word share all the good things that he's been taught to his teacher. In other words, after he pours himself out and he gives of himself, it is only right for you to come to him and say, pastor, That message you preached today, it changed my life. It put me on course. You know what I heard one person say? Well, I would tell my pastor that, but I don't want him to get a big head and think, you know, he's something. He might get a little bit, you know, too big-headed. You know what I thought? I said, you don't got to worry about that. Because every time the pastor drives home, there's at least devils on the back seat trying to tell him you're not doing nothing. It's not working. It's not going to happen. It's not going to come to pass. So you don't got to help the devil. You ought to be back up to the man of God and say, Pastor, you're preaching better than you've ever done before. You're doing more than you've ever done before. You've got to be that support in his life somebody shout hallelujah there's times and I know what I'm talking about And the more I preach this the more I begin to feel like I'm preaching to myself because there's times after I would preach and a demonstration of God would come and people were baptized that day and people filled with the Holy Ghost and you see the demonstration and you know man God showed up But you don't know the fight that the leaders fight. And even though they see this, they go home. And after they poured everything out, who pours back into them? And I'm not telling you something that I'm just making up. I preach with my whole heart everything I have. And there are times I go home and I wonder, did I even make a difference? After I've given all that I have, did anybody change? It is that burden, that is the weight that comes with that position and with that authority. And that is why it's critical that every moment and every opportunity you get... You pat your passion first lady on their back and you say, I love you. You're doing an awesome job. My life has never been the same since I ran into you. My whole house is better. Everything is better. My life is better. The Bible said it is your responsibility to tell the man of God after he preaches to you, you've got to pour back into him you've got to pour back into him let that that one that receives a teaching let him speak back to the teacher let it be done and today I believe that what I'm preaching is not something that this church lacks and I believe that's probably what I struggle but I have no doubt that this is the word of God for today that this is what God wants to say because if God is going to do something even greater he's going to do it through your man of God see you'll never go higher than him you'll never go higher than him you can probably sing better you can preach better you can be a better show winner whatever but let me tell you you'll never be higher than him he is your authority he is your authority you'll never be higher than him I wonder if they can do me this favor. I wonder if Bishop and First Lady Barbara and their their children, Isaac, Judah, Tiana, the grandbaby, could come and stand right here. I want my wife to come. And maybe it's because of the friendship and because of the brotherhood and You know, our family loves them and that's connection. But I I struggled and and, and I wrestled all night because if there was one thing I wanted to leave and that is that this man of God would remain lit, that that fire would not go out. And if you love him, you have to love his children. You have to love his grandchildren. It's a package deal. He doesn't come by himself. He comes with his wife and children. And I want to know right now, if all the mighty men of David can surround him right now, give me some singers. We're going to offer up a worship unto God, just a praise unto God. As we begin, let the ministers and, and those that those that feel that burden come and put your hands upon them and say lord bless my pastor i don't know the burden i don't know what he's going through god but shed the blessing upon him god shed the blessing upon him oh god Bless him, Lord. Bless their sons, God. Bless Judah, Lord. Bless Isaac, Lord, God. Bless the honor, God. Bless their family, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Everybody, church, pray. Pray. He's the light of the church. He's the light of the house. And the house has to be lit up. and of David. Come on, remember the times he's prayed for you. It's your turn, it's your turn. You pray for him. Remember the time he counseled you. It's your turn. You pray for him. You lift him up. You lift him up. You lift him up. Lord, I declare the blessing upon them. I declare a blessing in a hedge about them. Let there be peace and unity and love. Let every weapon that is formed, it will not prosper. It will not work. Is on your side, the Lord is on your side, the Lord is on your side. Hold his hands up, hold his hands up, keep his hands up. Know. I'm gonna help you it. I'm gonna give all that I have. I'm gonna support the vision. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give all that I have There it is. Just one more minute. Just one more minute. Set that hedge of protection about them. Set that anointing upon them right now. Oh, I see it. I see it. The Rock Church is elevating higher because God's taking the man of God higher. Spirit of God, move in this house upon your people. (laughs) Ha <laughs> ha.